Hello, listener. I'd like to play a game. You've come here in search of a podcast, one that discusses the legacy of the horror genre. Today, your faith in horror movies will be tested. You will hear the story of the Saw franchise and the eight films made so far that tell the intricate story of a demented man named John Kramer and his unique method of self-help motivation. Do you have what it takes to listen? Make your choice. It's time for Filmgasm. What is up, my listeners? It's our ninth episode today, and we have a special request from Filmgasm co-founder and longtime contributor Caleb Leger for one of his favorite horror franchises, the Saw franchise. Started in 2004 by James Wan and Lee Winnell, Saw has become a staple of modern horror movie marathons and for seven straight years was an essential part of Halloween, with a Saw movie being released in late October every year like clockwork. Even the eighth installment, Jigsaw, which came out seven years after the seventh film, continued this trend and was released in October. I'm honestly surprised more horror films aren't released in October. You know, you'd think they'd want to capitalize on Halloween, but that's not always true. Now, before we get going, I do want to give a shout-out to Boys in the Hood director John Singleton, who tragically died this past week of a stroke at the age of 51. He will certainly be missed. Thanks for being here to get yourself a raging filmgasm. My name is Connor Gary. I'm a massive film buff, and Filmgasm is a podcast where I talk about my favorite genre, horror, as well as weird Hollywood shit that piques my interest and the careers of notable figures in film history. If you'd like to check out more from Filmgasm, feel free to visit Filmgasm.com, F-I-L-M-G-A-Z-M. There you can check out daily movie reviews, articles about movies, the newest trailers, and all my early podcasts that I did with my partners. Episode 10 is next week, and prepare for a weird shit Wednesday that may make you think differently about one of cinema's most respected filmmakers, Roman Polanski, who fled the United States in 1979 before he could be sentenced for statutory rape. Austin and I will talk about Polanski's impressive film catalog, and will tell the story of the event that forever tainted his reputation and forced him out of the United States. Was it malicious? Was he tricked? Has he paid for his sins? Should we be able to enjoy his work knowing what he's done? All of this and more next Wednesday, but first, Saw. And if I sound different today, I am fighting a pretty nasty sore throat, so bear with me. Excuse me. Saw began life as a short film in 2003 as a way to pitch a script for a full-length film of the same name. The short stars uh, writer Lee Winnell as a man trapped in the now infamous reverse bear trap, which rips your jaw open if you don't find the key to unlock it in time. Apparently, the trap used in the short was fully functional, thus making the scene highly dangerous, as this psychotic death machine could have gone off at any time and snuffed out one of horror's greatest writers. They shot the short in just over eight days and got approval from Lionsgate to film their full-length feature, Saw. The concept used in the short was put into the first Saw, though this time it was Shawnee Smith's character Amanda wearing the reverse bear trap in a flashback scene. 2004's Saw was written by Lee Winnell, who also stars as Adam, the photographer, and it was directed by James Wan, the man behind so many of your favorite horror films from the past 10 years. As well as Saw, he's the man behind the first two Insidious films, 
and he's the driving force behind the Conjuring franchise, having directed both The Conjuring and The Conjuring 2, and provided the story for The Nun and the upcoming Annabelle Comes Home. Another notable horror film of his is 2007's Dead Silence, a creepy film about a haunted ventriloquist dummy that is really worth a watch. It's creepy. Outside of horror, he's also directed Furious 7 and Aquaman, so the man has many talents. Lee Winnell has written the first three Saw movies, Dead Silence, all four Insidious movies, 2014's Cooties, a zombie comedy that looks intriguing, and 2018's Upgrade, a highly underrated cyber thriller that deserved way more attention. So you put Juan and Winnell together, you're going to get a great movie, basically. The first Saw has the most big names to boast about. It stars Carrie Elwes as Dr. Lawrence Gordon. Elwes is one of my favorite character actors, and he's notably appeared in The Princess Bride as Wesley, his most famous role. He was in Robin Hood Men in Tights, parody of Robin Hood. He was in the final season of The X-Files, and he had a recurring role on Stranger Things. He's got 125 acting credits, but these are some that just stuck out to me. Uh, Michael Emerson, famous for his villainous role of Ben Linus on Lost, plays reluctant Patsy Zepp Hindle, whose name has lived on through the franchise as the title of Charlie Clouser's famous musical score that tends to chime in just before the big reveal in every film. It also stars Danny Glover and Ken Lung as two cops hot on the trail of the aptly named Jigsaw Killer who is trapping people in sadistic puzzles that they must try and escape before it kills them. He then carves a, cu a puzzle piece from their skin if they fail and die, thus the name Jigsaw Killer. It also introduced the recurring characters of Detective Carey, played by Dina Meyer, Dizzy from Starship Troopers, for you uber nerds out there. Um, the characters of Amanda Young, played by Shawnee Smith, whom James Wan had had a crush on since his teens and was ecstatic when he learned she'd signed on for the film. And, of course, John Kramer, the Jigsaw Killer, played by Tobin Bell, whose distinct gravelly voice and dark demeanor made him perfect for the role of Jigsaw, which he's played in all eight films. The story goes that Dr. Gordon and Adam wake up in a dirty bathroom, both of them chained to a pipe. They don't know where they are or how they got there, but there are clues hidden throughout the room that point to what they must do to get out. On the floor in front of them is a dead body covered in blood, holding a revolver and a tape recorder. Tape recorders and tiny cassette tapes are a recurring thing in the franchise, and I've always wondered, where does Jigsaw get all those tiny tapes in the digital age? Like, there, that can't be an easy easy find in you know, the mid-2000s. Hell, in the early 2000s, you probably couldn't even find tiny tapes. I've never seen a tiny cassette tape in my life outside of these movies. Anyway... As the film progresses, Dr. Gordon learns that his family is in danger, and if he doesn't get out in time, they'll die. He and Adam find two hand saws hidden in the room that they are unable to cut through the steel chain around their ankles. Dr. Gordon realizes in horror that Jigsaw wants them to cut through their feet. That's the big shock scene, of course, is Dr. Gordon making the impulsive and rash decision to cut his foot off to escape and find his family. What he doesn't realize is that on the other end, his family have already saved themselves from Zepp, an orderly who works at Gordon's hospital and the supposed ringleader, we think. But Gordon cuts his foot off anyway and crawls out of the room, claiming he'll find help for Adam, who's freaking out over what he just saw. When Zepp shows up to finish them off, Adam beats him to death with the back cover of a toilet. Then he finds Zepp's tape, which tells him that if he doesn't comply with Jigsaw's orders, he'll die too. So Zepp was not Jigsaw. Zepp 
was a victim too. With Gordon gone and Adam alone, the dead body that's been in the room the entire time suddenly stands up and tells Adam that the key to the chain is in the bathtub. Much to his horror, Adam realizes he lost the key down the drain when he first woke up. The dead body, actually John Kramer, who's been watching them the whole time, announces game over and locks Adam away in the room where he's never seen alive again. That's the first Saw movie in a nutshell. Obviously, I left out a lot of key details, but if you're listening to this, odds are you've seen the Saw movies before and you know all this already. I'm pretty much just covering the highlights of all the films. The point is that Saw has become known for three things primarily. One, it's super grisly torture devices and inventive death scenes. Two, it's super complex mythology and ongoing story of Jigsaw and his many secret apprentices. And three, it's a big reveal at the end that makes you look back on everything you've just seen and blows your mind. The first Saw is the tamest one since the budget was so low, and it remains the most well-received entry of the franchise, with a 7.6 on IMDb, and a Rotten Tomatoes score of 49%, which may seem terrible, but Rotten Tomatoes has never been too kind to the Saw franchise, so it's not very reliable. Um, Its audience score is 84%, and I give it an 8 out of 10. It's a great movie. And here's a few film guys and facts for you. Number one, since its inception, Saw has become the highest-grossing horror franchise of all time worldwide in unadjusted dollars. Number two, Jigsaw's puppet was completely made from scratch by the film's creators. It was not bought at a store or a puppet that was altered. And this is Billy, the freaky little white-faced puppet on the tricycle that has become the face of the franchise. Number three, Carrie Elwes filed a lawsuit against the producers and the production company because he only received a nominal salary with back-end revenues. I don't know what that means, but I'm assuming it was bad enough for him to sue. He claimed to have been promised 1% of the profit, which would be considerable since Saw went on to earn over $100 million globally. The case was finally settled out of court, but mostly as a result of the disagreements, and Elwes chose not to be involved with any of the sequels until Saw the final chapter in 2010. Number four, the identity of the Jigsaw Killer is revealed early in the film during a flashback when Zepp says, quote, he's a very interesting person on John's hospital bed uh, table. In front of him is a diagram of the reverse bear trap. So if you're paying attention, this goes for pretty much all the movies. If you're paying close attention, you can figure it all out before the movie tells you what's going on. And since this film was a monster success, a sequel was a no-brainer and Saw 2 came out a year later in October 2005. It was directed by Darren Lynn Boosman, who also directed Saw 3 and Saw 4. This film has a much larger role for Tobin Bell, who I think gets the most to work with in this film, and Shawnee Smith, who gets put back into another game and works as a sort of guide to the newbies about how to survive Jigsaw. Donnie Wahlberg, New Kids on the Block star and brother to Mark Wahlberg, stars as Detective Eric Matthews, a neglectful father whose son is put in the game. Jigsaw forces Matthews into another little game in which he promises his son will be returned to him if he just sits there and talks with him. But because Matthews is impulsive and angry, he can't just do that. The players in the larger game are comprised of Emmanuel Vauger, who plays Addison, Frankie G, who plays Xavier, Beverly Mitchell, who plays Laura, Glenn Plummer, who plays Jonas, Timothy Bird, who plays Obi, and Eric 
Knudsen, who plays Daniel Matthews, Donnie Wahlberg's kid. They're all pretty forgettable, but they're interesting enough to maintain, you know, a sense of care in the movie. Like, you know, you care about them. The recurring character of Officer Rig is introduced, played by Lyric Bent. He becomes a major player in Saw 4. Some of the traps from this one include the Pit of Needles, which freaked out a lot of people. It's a giant well, pit of needles. I mean, there's not really any other way to explain that one. And one of the needles, that's like syringes, one of them has a uh, key to the safe locked or tied on it, and somebody has to jump in and find it, and it's really it's cringy. And there was the hand trap. This one got me. They arranged a glass box suspended by chains from the ceiling, and the box contained a hypodermic needle with the antidote, and there were two hand holes on the underside. And as soon as uh, Vaugier's character Addison put her hands into the holes, excuse me, razor blades would close in on her hands, and any attempt to withdraw from the trap would cause her to bleed to death as the razors sliced her wrists. Freaky stuff. The twist is that all of these people were victims of Detective Matthews planting evidence to put them away. And once they find out his son is stuck in the game with them, shit goes south. Also, the game, which Matthews has been watching live, he thinks, happened hours ago, and his son has been locked in a time-release safe in the room with him the whole time. But once we learn that, Matthews has already fled with Jigsaw, who has promised to take him to his son. Of course, Jigsaw tricks Matthews for failing the game, and locks him in the bathroom from the first film, where you can still see Adam and Zepp's corpses, as well as new dead people from this movie. Also, Amanda was evil the whole time and has been working with Jigsaw as his first secret apprentice. Game over. Saw 2 has an IMDb score of 6.6, a Rotten Tomatoes score of 37%, and it gets an 8 from me. Here's some filmgasm facts for Saw 2. Number 1. The razor box trap containing the syringe actually has a padlock with a key in it. You can see it out of focus at the top of the screen when Addison puts her hands into the trap. The filmmakers deliberately included this as a way of showing that Jigsaw knew the characters would rush in without checking the trap for a simple solution. Oh, that sucks. Number two. This film originally came from a script by the director, Darren Lynn Boosman, which was called The Desperate. After trying for years to get it made but being told repeatedly that it was too violent, finally a company wanted to do it because they suspected Saw, which was becoming a hit at Sundance, might blow out big and they wanted to capitalize on its success. Some producers even described Boozman's script as, quote, too Saw-ish. Just before he was about to close the deal to make the film, Saw opened huge at the box office, and the next day he received a call, and the producers asked if he could change it around to Saw 2. Lee Winnell, who wrote the first Saw, was then brought on a little later to help Boozman with creating his original idea into a proper sequel to Saw. So that's kind of cool. They recycle the different script and made Saw 2. And the guy who wrote the original script got to be involved in this one, so that's pretty cool. 2006's Saw 3, which might be my personal favorite of the franchise, sees Jigsaw and Amanda abduct a surgeon, Lynn Denlin, played by Bahar Sumek, to keep him alive as Jigsaw enters the final stages of his cancer, which is what's driving this whole thing. John Kramer is dying of advanced lung cancer, and he's using the game as a way to kind of show people that their lives do have meaning and learn if they're willing to fight for it. 
The film opens with Detective Matthews still alive in the bathroom, and we get to watch as he breaks his own ankle to slip through the shackles. It's horrifying, and it's... Ugh, I hate watching limbs break in movies. It freaks me out. In the game is a grieving father, Jeff, played by Angus McFadden, who you may recognize as Robert the Bruce in Braveheart. And Jeff finds himself in a twisted game involving the people who allowed his son's killer to walk free. The judge, the attorney, and ultimately the man himself, who was a young kid who accidentally hit Jeff's son with his car, and it's tortured him ever since. But that's Jigsaw's game. No good, no evil, just the players. And this one especially, you don't really know who to sympathize with. I mean, yeah, the guy killed a child, but it's not like it was intentional. It was an accident, and he suffered for it enough already just by, you know, the strain it's put on his soul. But now he's in what is probably the most painful uh, trap in the entire franchise, and I'll get to that in a second. This is also the film that features the first appearance of Detective Mark Hoffman, played by Aussie actor Costas uh, Mandalore, who you'll learn in Saw 4 is Jigsaw's second secret apprentice. Next to Jigsaw himself, Hoffman is this franchise's other great villain, who really gets his time to shine in the later films. This film also introduces Jill Tuck, Jigsaw's ex-wife, played by Betsy Russell, who also gets to shine later on. Saw 3 features what I think is the most painful trap, The Rack, where Jeff's son's killer is strapped to a metal rig that rotates each of his limbs completely around, snapping them one at a time, then finally ending with his neck. Oh my god, what a nightmare. (laughs) The film ends with Amanda's death, orchestrated by Jigsaw, once he learned that she was creating unwinnable traps, defeating the purpose of Jigsaw's grand design. Once Jeff completes the game and arrives to find that Lynn, the doctor, revealed to be Jeff's wife, has been shot by Amanda, he meets Jigsaw, who has just had a brain operation. Jigsaw offers Jeff a choice. Jeff can forgive him, or Jeff can kill him. Jeff ultimately cuts Jigsaw's throat with a power saw and seals his fate as well as his wife's. Her head explodes because Jigsaw's uh, pulse was the only thing keeping her alive. As he dies, Jigsaw plays another tape, saying that Jeff failed this final test and that Jigsaw was the only one who knew the whereabouts of Jeff's other child, a daughter. The film ends with Jigsaw's death, leaving audiences wondering what's in store for the future. The film has an IMDb score of 6.2, Rotten Tomatoes score of 28%, and an 8 from me. And film guys and facts for Saw 3. Number 1. The producers asked the producers of Scary Movie 4 if they could use their bathroom set for this film as it was an exact replica of the sets used in Saw and Saw 2. You remember the Scary Movie franchise? They've always been kind of a guilty pleasure of mine. But the beginning of Saw 4 sees uh, Shaq and Dr. Phil trapped in the bathroom from Saw, and they have to cut off their feet, and Dr. Phil cuts off the wrong foot. It's hilarious. It's stupid, but it's hilarious. And yeah, it is an exact replica, and the fact that the Saw producers went to them and said, hey, can we use this? That's, that's pretty cool. Number two, this film, along with the film that follows it, Saw 4, take place at the same time. And that leads us to 2007's Saw 4, which starts with John Kramer, a.k.a. Jigsaw, his autopsy, where another tape is found in his stomach. Hoffman plays it, and the audience is led to believe that Hoffman is next to be tested. The game did not end with Jigsaw. There is much to be... Much uh, games to come. Many games to come, sorry. <laughs> the true player of the next game is Officer Rigg, 
who seeks revenge on Jigsaw after the death of Detective Carey, who was killed at the beginning of Saw 3 in one of Amanda's unwinnable games. If I remember correctly, uh, her ribs were stuck to this metal thing, and she had to reach into a jar of acid to get the key, but the key wouldn't unlock the thing anyway, and she her chest was ripped open. It's pretty twisted. Rig is told that he has 90 minutes to rescue both Detective Matthews and Detective Hoffman, who are waiting at the end of Rig's game. The film introduces FBI agents Strom and Perez, played by Scott Patterson and Athena Karkanis, respectively. Of course, Rig fails his game. He was supposed to learn not to rush into situations half-cocked, and his inability to learn results in Matthews getting his head crushed by two blocks of ice. It is then that Hoffman unties himself and reveals himself to be the one carrying out Jigsaw's legacy. Also, Agent Strom encounters Jeff from the last movie and shoots him in self-defense, ending his story. We also get some backstory on John Kramer, and we see how his unborn son Gideon was killed by a junkie who slammed a door on his pregnant wife Jill. This was the beginning of his devotion to making people appreciate life and started him down the path of becoming Jigsaw. Saw 4 has an IMDb score of 5.9, a Rotten Tomato score of 18%, and an 8 from me. Around this time, people started to complain about a convoluted story, but it's really not that difficult to understand if you're paying close attention. Here's some... I only have one film, guys, in fact, for Saw 4. This is the first Saw film written by Patrick Melton and Marcus Dunstan, who would also write the next three entries in the series. When interviewed about the job, they learned that there was a Saw Bible with rules they should have followed. However, as they had never received it, they had planned out an entire series of Saw sequels from their own ideas. Fortunately, their pitch was well received by the studio, and they got the job. So, you know, what do you, think? What do you know about that? 2008's Saw 5 was directed by David Hackle, who was a production designer on Saw 2, 3, and 4. It provides some backstory on Hoffman and shows how he came into Jigsaw's service after his own sister was murdered and Hoffman imitated a Jigsaw trap to kill his sister's murderer. We get a particularly gruesome pendulum trap for Hoffman's victim, and that's what opens the film. Also, unwinnable trap. Jigsaw does not like that. Also, Agent Strom becomes suspicious of Hoffman and does some digging. While five people connected to an arson fire that killed eight people find themselves trapped in a game where the theme is teamwork, but they don't quite catch on. This one has another really fucked up trap where the players must shove their hands into a buzzsaw in order to fill a jar with enough blood to unlock the door before it seals shut. And they were supposed to be all five because they were supposed to work together, but there's only two survivors, so they have to really fill that jar. And it's ugh, just shoving your hand into a buzzsaw. It's messed up. This film introduces us to Erickson, Agent Strom's boss, played by Mark Rolston, Boggs from Shawshank, for you film fans. And personally, I don't think Saw 5 is as great as the ones before, and it is kind of a lull in the franchise. The film ends with Hoffman trapping Strom in a room that crushes him to death, and Hoffman frames Strom for his own crimes as Jigsaw's apprentice. IMDb score of 5.8, Rotten Tomatoes score of 13, and a 7 for me. I needed some pep, which the next installment has in spades. And here's two filmgasm facts for Saw 5. Number one, the characters in the first trap, the Mounted Razors, wake up in the order of their deaths, which is a nice little tease. Number two, Agent Peter Strom shares some similarities with Detective Tap, 
Danny Glover from the first film. Both men are smart and dedicated police officers, always staying one step ahead of their fellow colleagues. They overlook police procedure and unsuccessfully try to either solve the jigsaw case or apprehend the killer. Both raid a warehouse the first time with neither backup nor a warrant and almost get killed. Finally, both cops raid a jigsaw lair once again without backup and are killed. And that's Saw 5, really. Kind of underwhelming. But 2009's Saw 6 is a goddamn horror masterpiece. It's directed by Kevin Grutert, who would also do the follow-up Saw the final chapter. Saw 6 is the goriest of the bunch, and that's saying something. And for once, the victims in the game are actual pieces of shit, mostly, that you wouldn't mind seeing die painful deaths. Jigsaw, or Hoffman via Jigsaw's posthumous direction, traps the health insurance agent who denied him a treatment that might have saved his life, and forces him to play a game that mirrors his personal insurance philosophy of who should live and who should die. It's really fucked up, and it really shines a light on you know, our really twisted health insurance in this country, but that's for another time. Uh, in this film... Hoffman's true identity is revealed to the feds, and he is forced into hiding after Jill, Jigsaw's ex-wife, traps him in a reverse bear trap, revealing that Jigsaw intended for Hoffman to die once the work was completed, since Hoffman's sadistic tendencies were not in sync with Jigsaw's philosophies. Hoffman survives the bear trap by slipping out at the last second, but not before breaking his hand and tearing his face open. The insurance agent, William, played by Peter Outerbridge, eventually learns that the game was not his at all. The ultimate choice is left to a mother and son whose father died because of William's policy. The son chooses death for William, and the agent is injected with a shit ton of acid and melts away before our eyes, and to be honest, is pretty fucking spectacular. Saw 6 has an IMDb score of 6.0, a Rotten Tomatoes score of 39%, and an 8 from me. And some film guys and facts for Saw 6. It was beaten at the box office by the first entry in another low-budget horror franchise that would replace Saw as Halloween King, Paranormal Activity, which we will definitely be doing down the road. And number two, in the early planning stages, one discarded story idea had Hoffman taking on the Mafia. That would have rocked. And number three, while it is used as a plot point for the film, an insurance company cannot void your coverage for seeking an alternative, non-traditional therapy. They don't have to pay for it, but it cannot be grounds to void your coverage. Which is good to know. That's just good advice. You know, if you're ever dealing with a life-threatening illness, your insurance company doesn't have to pay for it, but they can't drop you as a client because of it. The last Saw film for a while was 2010's Saw The Final Chapter, originally billed as Saw 3D. It saw Hoffman going after Jill Tuck for revenge and not caring who got killed in the crossfire. In the game was Bobby, a con man played by Sean Patrick Flannery, who lied about being a jigsaw trap survivor in order to make a living selling a book about his quote-unquote experience and starting a support group, which infuriated Jigsaw while he was alive and he ordered Hoffman to put Bobby in the last game. In that support group, by the way, is Dr. Lawrence Gordon from the first film living with one foot these days, and scoffing at Bobby's support group DVD. We get to see what happened after Gordon crawled his way out of the bathroom, and it looks painful. We get to see him cauterize his massive wound. 
This final entry is heavy on the gore, but doesn't really bother with the story, though it does feature the late Linkin Park frontman Chester Bennington in a cameo role as a neo-Nazi glued to a car in a grisly trap, so there's that. Bobby ultimately fails his game and watches all his friends die, and his wife gets burned alive. Though I don't think we ever see what happens to Bobby himself in the end. The true focus of this film is Hoffman killing Jill with a giant reverse bear trap, just ripping her face right open. But then, Hoffman is incapacitated by a new villain. Jigsaw's true apprentice, revealed to be none other than Dr. Gordon, who did learn his lesson and has been assisting Jigsaw the entire time behind the scenes as his one true believer. He locks Hoffman in the same bathroom from the first film, though this time with no saw, and he shuts the door for the last time, proclaiming, Game Over. For a subpar film, it's a great fucking ending. Uh, Saw 3D has an IMDb score of 5.6, a Rotten Tomatoes score of 9%, and a 6 for me. It's not very good, folks. And here's three filmgasm facts for you for this. Number one, this is hilarious. In a Massachusetts branch of Showcase Cinemas, the film was accidentally screened instead of the animated film Megamind, traumatizing its young audience. <laughs> Oh, my God. Oh, somebody got fired for that. Whew. Number two. Among those attending Bobby's victim support meeting are Malik, the junkie from Saw 5, Simone, the predatory lender from Saw 6, and Addie, the diabetic from Saw 6. They can be seen in the support group meeting, along with Dr. Gordon. This one had the most uh, recurring characters. It was revealed in the commentary track, this is number three, by the writers that the two additional people with Dr. Gordon at the end were Brad and Ryan from the opening trap, with the girl dangling from the ceiling above a buzzsaw, and she'd slept with both of them, and it was in broad daylight. It was an interesting way to open the movie. And this was the end of the Saw franchise, until 2017, when Josh Stolberg and Peter Goldfinger approached Lionsgate with their own concept, which they'd been working on for two years. They were big fans. Director brothers Michael and Peter Spierig were set to direct, and the eighth installment, Jigsaw, came into being. And it was so good. Instead of rebooting the series, which was the rumor, they continued the story. Jigsaw was set ten years after the events of Saw 3D, and a new game has begun with all signs pointing to John Kramer being behind it, which means he may have faked his death somehow. We're introduced to Logan Nelson a forensic pathologist and war veteran who is deemed a suspect by corrupt cop Detective Halloran. The people put in the game are all guilty of their own individual sins, and we get a big reveal in the middle that the man behind the game is indeed John Kramer, the Jigsaw Killer. But how, you may ask? As we learn later, it was all misdirection. What the audience has been seeing is Jigsaw's first game, with Logan himself taking place in it initially, being set free by Jigsaw, who decided his sin wasn't great enough to be punished in a game. He mixed up uh, Jigsaw's x-rays with another patient, meaning Kramer didn't find out for a bit that he had cancer. So he blamed Logan for that, but I guess he forgave him pretty quickly. And instead of putting him in the game, he taught Logan everything he knew, making Logan his first original apprentice, who has used a replica of the first game to frame Detective Halloran for the murder of criminals Halloran allowed to walk free. As the music swells and Halloran's head is lasered to pieces by an elaborate collar trap, Saw fans everywhere smiled wide. The franchise was back. 
This film cut back on the gore and opted instead for a more intimate, claustrophobic kind of horror, which brought the franchise back to its roots. Jigsaw has an IMDb score of 5.8, a Rotten Tomatoes score of 34%, but a user score of 90%, which I feel is worth mentioning, and it gets an 8 from me. And here's three filmgasm facts for Jigsaw. Number one, upon the film's success, Twisted Pictures, the studio behind the Saw franchise, greenlit a following ninth and 10th installment of the horror franchise. Yes, more Saw in the near future. Number two, Tobin Bell, who plays John Kramer, is the only cast member to appear in all eight films, which I think I mentioned at the beginning. And number three, throughout the entire franchise, there are a total of 95 deaths, which means Jigsaw is responsible for 95 victims. Jesus. Now, before I sign off, I did feel like mentioning there are two video games based on the Saw franchise, 2009's Saw and 2010's Saw 2 Flesh and Blood. I haven't played them, but I'm sure they're just as twisted and entertaining as the films. This has been the Saw franchise. I really enjoyed this one. Love these movies. If you want to see more from Filmgasm, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or YouTube for weekly videos every Wednesday. And you can check my website and the social media pages, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, for updates on reviews, podcasts, articles, any sort of cool movie news or trailers. And if you have a suggestion or something you'd like me to check out and talk about, feel free to leave a comment on any of the social media or send me an email at filmgasm at gmail.com. I'm always checking that out and I'm always looking for suggestions. Love horror. It could be a great movie. It could be a terrible movie. Don't care. I'd love to see whatever you want me to see. Thanks to Austin Johnson and Caleb Leger for keeping the site fully stocked with reviews and articles. Stay tuned next Wednesday for another Filmgasm. And that is game over. <laughs>